Welcome to the Dribble Podcast, your weekly fix of all things Perth Wildcats and Aussie basketball. Presented by Perth Now. Hello and welcome to the Dribble Podcast, your place for all the insights on the eve of the NBL playoffs as the Perth Wildcats chase an unprecedented third consecutive title. My name's Chris Robinson from Perth Now in the West, and joining me each and every week, Perth Wildcats vice-captain and three-time, hoping to be four-time NBL champ by the time this month is done. Greg Hire, welcome to the playoffs, Greg. Oh, thank you. It wouldn't be nice. It would be very nice to uh, to get four championships, a three-peat, all of those things we're trying to uh, to accomplish. So, um, but I tell you what, these last two weeks, nice to refresh the bodies, but I am um, jumping at trying to to play a game. Yep. It's been it's been some time. It feels for like forever. Yeah. What what is the feeling amongst the squad? You guys, I spoke to Sean Reddy during the week. He talked about how you guys sort of really focus on attention to mm. detail at this time of year. Do you feel like you know everything there is to know about Adelaide going into this series? Yeah, I mean, you played well, you played every team four times, and obviously it wasn't too far away that we sort of played them back to back. So, yeah, it's that attention to detail. You spend a little bit more time as being a professional athlete. You, you obviously do a lot of time scouting and doing all that sort of things. But right now, it's making sure that you sort of take care of your body. You want to be basically chomping at the bits once that the ball gets thrown up um, and the training sessions are quite short in terms of the intensity levels are there but you're trying to be smart you're not trying to injure anyone you're not trying to injure yourself so mm-hmm. you've got a very limited opportunity to really I guess get your confidence going um, to get everything our philosophies down packed um, and yes yeah, so you sort of spend a lot more time now off the court making sure that one your body's good your mind's focused and you've got everything um, you know, taking care of in terms of individual scouts and team scouts. So, yeah, it's a lot of sort of homework. You're basically a student of the game at the moment. Well, a man who holds part of the key to Perth's title hopes this season needs no introduction this week, named as a six-time best defensive player in the league. I speak, of course, of the Wildcats captain, Damien Martin. Damo, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, long-time listener. First-time <laughs> caller. No, it's great to be in the studio. This is all Greg ever talks about. Is, Guys, do you listen to the show? So I've been waiting for an invite, and it took winning a, a uh, an award to get in here. So uh, unfortunately, thanks. we've had production costs. I was asking the queue a pause sound effects, but, um, <laughs> you know, we all love you. Thanks, mate. Yeah. M- most, most importantly, forget about the title for now. What has the feedback been like to the podcast, to Greg's performance in <laughs> particular amongst the playing group oh look we're, we're big fans of one of you guys and let's just say he doesn't wear the number four for the wildcats mm. uh, however driving up i thought gee where's that car looks a lot like greg highs parked illegally in a five minute parking spot so we better get on with the questions because apparently greg's only going to be for five well, minutes potato potato it's a loading zone and so i thought well i'm loading a podcast uh into the world wide web the cloud yeah. um so you know dude <laughs> like if there's any parking inspectors out there please put a ticket it on the front. Good thing we're not going live to air, otherwise it could be in a bit of trouble. Um, congrats on the award, as we said, for the sixth time. How how have you rated your season from a, a personal standpoint? Because uh, you're not getting any younger, obviously. Yeah. How have you sort of been able to overcome the ankle soreness and, and take that award out? Yeah, I rolled it. I think it was the third or fourth game of the season up in Cairns. And so it's just been one of those niggling injuries that sporadically throughout games, I go to push off on it and it gives way or there might be a little bit of pain. So it hasn't been ideal. But in saying that, the last probably month or three weeks I've been happy with how my movement has been and then having that rest weekend when the boomers were playing uh, I had two cortisone injections into my ankle got put in a moon boot for four days essentially rested for a whole week and then the last three days of practice I've felt 
you know the best I've felt since you know probably the the start of the season. So it, that break worked out really well for a few of us, myself in particular, and so it's the best I've been able to move you know in months. What was it like shooting from the uh, plastic chair at the, at the free throw line and around the, the top of the K? Yeah, I didn't get any better, that's for sure. But uh, there was plenty of room for improvement. But it was, yeah, good fun. The only way I could get up some shots was if I was seated in a chair. And so there I was, nice and close to the ring. Newfound respect for anyone that goes out and plays wheelchair basketball. I won't be getting my name called up. I was horrible. But uh, <laughs> at least I could work on some skills still. We talk about that week off, Damo. Obviously a tough decision um, of, I guess staying by not being a boomer for these upcoming games can you talk about how tough that was to, to ultimately make that decision it was it's you know essentially I put the Wildcats ahead of the Australian team and you know I, you don't want to disrespect the green and gold jersey either and this is what I told Andre is I don't think it's fair had I been chosen it's not like I'd been selected and withdrawn I withdrew before the team was named but had I been selected you can't then just ask to sit out training mm. sessions and only play a game there's too many guys putting their hand up that are in good condition that are healthy ready to go and so after going back and forth with Andre he was really understanding uh, speaking to the medical team uh, the workload I wouldn't have been able to get through at the time my ankle was pretty dodgy so essentially I needed this week off regardless it just happened to be at the same time the boomers was naming their team so i would love to have played for australia but knowing how good my body feels now it's the right decision and you know i hope it doesn't cost me a spot with the commonwealth games team because obviously you know mitch norton was great kevin mm-hmm. lish was fantastic throughout the series jace Cadee has been really good over the last 12 months with the boomers but you know it's, it's probably what was right at the time and yeah we'll see what happens going forward something that was sort of hidden though was the, the queen's baton relay and, and i and my wife and i <laughs> were quite chuffed to say i think it's an honor for i mean uh, I think it's uh, yeah, it's it's an unbelievable achievement. But I mean, you talk about the pride of playing for Australia. I mean, how was how was that? You know, doing the Queen's Baton Relay, and obviously you got your pearly whites all over the streets of Perth. But more so than taking it back to the Olympics and and all that. Obviously, it, it means a hell a hell of a lot to to represent Australia. It did. I was over the moon when I was announced as a Baton Relay holder mm. or a runner. And then you kind of get caught up in the energy when you're in the bus. So there's a bus and there's about three guys that take you from spot to spot. And they're talking about the importance of this baton, how for, you know, 250 metres, you're the only person in the whole wide world that has the, the message written by the Queen that's yep. in the baton that they open up at the opening ceremony. And so for 250 metres, I was trying to see if I could read through this piece of paper <laughs> to see what old Queen Elizabeth had to say. Yep. But it really is an honour. And the, the three guys that led us, their energy was contagious. They could have all being future wiggles yep. they, are, they were brilliant so to sit on the bus everybody had to stand up and say who nominated you and why and you got you know some of these kids that are 11 or 12 years old and they've raised you know tens of thousands of dollars for charity we had the Western Australian Volunteer of the Year alongside us Nat Medhurst a two time Commonwealth Games mm-hmm. medalist with netball so I'm not sure how I got the call up but I'll take <laughs> it and uh, I absolutely loved it oh, awesome um, Greg, talking about that defense from Damo, I want to know from your point of view, when you start on the bench, that second unit, you yep. guys obviously take a lot of pride in what you do. How how much of a boost is it to see the example that this guy sets in terms of energy and defensive intensity when you're watching the opening minutes of the game, prepping yourself to head out there? Yeah, it's um, it's quite funny in terms of, this. I think I had a, a true appreciation sitting on the bench and you sort of marvel at the antics of what Damo does. Obviously him, and he will say he was only on one leg, but it was still amazing to see him completely leading the group. And as soon as he plays with a high intense, um, high intensity on the on the defensive end, you can see the next line is up and in, um, and then the the next guy. And it just it's just um, 
It's amazing to see. And and as a second group, um, obviously being, I guess, one of the older guys now, and, um, you know, we do have a bit of a trademark of playing, you know, defensively quite tough, um, you do take a lot of pride to make sure, I guess in a way, you don't let him down um, because he takes a lot of pride in that. And we always talk about that after a loss. It's, you know... Points can, you know, if you don't shoot well, that's perfectly fine. But, you know, we always say that defense is an, is an effort thing, um, obviously, scouting as well. But, um, yeah, you, as a second group, you don't want to let him let him down. And as much as he won't let you know about it, you, you definitely have to follow through and make sure that's that in order to play to win games, we need to play defense. That's just a, a simple fact. Yeah. For the Defensive Player of the Year award, each team nominated one player. Um, you finished with 1.5 steals per game, which is second in the league. To JP Tokido had 1.7. Has he given you any trash talk about why he wasn't nominated and why you were? <laughs> <laughs> JP's a, a great player, and there's things he can do at the defensive end that yeah. I could only dream of being able to do. He, he was the league leader in jumping for inbounds. <laughs> we put him passes, on every inbounds pass, seconds. Yeah, yeah. And I dare say he gets one of those 1.7 steals from deflecting it or stealing it straight from an inbounds pass yep. at six foot seven with a you know damn near seven foot wingspan that athleticism and speed I could only dream of having that in my game uh, and yeah if, if they'd if he'd been nominated instead ahead of me I, I would have you know been fine with that and I dare say he would have won defensive player of the year so to have that uh, tag team he and I you know we'd, we love playing alongside each other and in particular I marvel at what he's able to do at the defensive end when he's up and in when he's in the passing lanes the rebounds the bust outs he's a very special player and if he can do that for 40 minutes or 35 minutes that he's on the court it'll go a long way to winning a championship and I look at that first team all NBL that got named mm-hmm. and he's a deserving guy that could have easily have made it he got named in the second team but then you know who do you yeah. push out from the first team to put him in there but he's had that good of a season that had he been named in the best five in the league I don't think it would have surprised anyone last one on your defense for any of the kids listening or average social basketball players I include myself in that category <laughs> what what can you sort of describe as the key when you're defending an opponent are you sort of looking at their eyes are you looking at their feet how do you sort of anticipate where they're going to go how do you sort of keep them in check if you could sort of wrap it up in a nutshell yeah, I think 70% of defense is more of a willingness. Uh, yeah. You know, Everybody can get in a stance, everyone can carry their hands, mm-hmm. be directional with their feet. So first and foremost, the lowest percentage shot in the game is a contested long two. And so I'm happy to live and die by that for most of the players in the league. Some of them have a strength. And so it's staying in front of their chest. You know, you can move the ball as much as you want. doesn't mean you're going anywhere. Whereas if your chest moves, normally you're trying to go in the direction you want. Stay in front of your chest. Carry your hand in their shooting pocket. If they're left hand, keep it in their left hand. If they're right-handed, keep it up on their right hand. And then just know that you're not going to stop everything, but just stop their strengths. It's kind of the goal I have every time. And I live by giving away contested long twos. But like I said, a lot of it is things everyone can do, but the willingness to do it every single possession, play weak side defense, carry your hand you know be there for um, to help the helper I think it's more so being switched on every time and that goes a long way to being a decent defender I think Damo's a bit modest though he would have the quickest reactions mm. of any person I know I mean if there was that game where you hit lights on the wall I'd be surprised that Damo doesn't smash I mean even this week I got a, a rebound and was trying to outlet the ball and um, yeah I literally just got stripped quite easily by Damon. I've been with him for nine years yeah. now and you, you sort of sort of go, oh no, I'll get away with it here, but he still has, um, as he's getting older, he's obviously got a little bit wiser as well, but um, he's got to be modest. So I think, and the biggest thing is, well, I think that competitive nature, I think it, just that and it shows obviously being a leader he is and a captain, but, yeah. um, and he talks about that willingness, but I think, and we, we watched a video this morning, the, the fear of failure, I think um, 
Damo is that, you know, like he 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 wants to win. He hates losing as we do, um, and I think that's what he hates to be that pride of getting beat by a guy. You know, if if he gets blown by one possession, which happens, it won't happen a second time. And mm. yeah, you've you've got to respect that for sure. Yeah, I think the low of losing is more extreme than the high of winning. Mm. You combine that with not wanting to be the guy that lets your teammates down, it is a, a motivation for me because there's nothing worse. Or the thing that keeps me up at night is knowing I could have done something better mm. for the other guys and that frustration of when you do take a possession off and you get blown by or things like that. So a lot of us are motivated by fear of failure <laughs> and I don't mind including myself in that category. Yeah, um, Bryce Cotton was named MVP this week, a very deserving MVP winner. Said something interesting during his presser yesterday that he could barely score on you at practice. I'm not going to ask you that, Greg. How, how true is that when they... I imagine you play together a lot in scrimmage because you got that sort of yeah. first unit versus second unit. But how hard is it to score on this man in practice? Oh, I mean... The most annoying thing as a player is when Damo switches on you and yeah. as you're driving, he always yells out, no help. And so, <laughs> um, and that happens to every single which, player. So, which is the equivalent of, I've got this guy. Correct. I've got this guy all you've wrapped up. I've got a guy like uh, on the perimeter or in the post, he'll yell it and he'll yell it often. Um, and so, like JK, now this is his running joke that he always like, he yell out as he's shooting, like, well, you shouldn't, you should get help. Um, and I'd say his percentages are quite low. <laughs> but it, it is, um, yeah, disheartening to hear that as you go because, like, yeah, it's most probably true. So um, the no, worst, but, the worst time I ever did it. We were, I was with the Australian team playing Spain. Yeah. I got switched on on a deep seal on power because I was like, no help. <laughs> he turned around and dunked on me. So that yeah. time I probably should have asked for yeah. help. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, but just yeah. a three-time champion, future yeah, NBA just, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Just laughed at me. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, a couple on Adelaide. Obviously, you guys have a, a big matchup with them starting on on Saturday night. We know that they want to play at a track meet kind of pace. They're the mm-hmm. fastest team, most up-tempo team in the league. How do you guys sort of try and control that tempo? And, and how do you find the balance between maybe trying to slow it down a little bit to your pace without sort of necessarily getting bogged down in your offense? I think we've been given this... Like people like to think that we're a slower team or like to be a half-court team. The reality is when you've got tools on each wing like Bryce Cotton who's super quick, super talented and then on your right side you've got JP Tokido who's the most athletic guy in the league mm-hmm. and one of the best players in the league in the open court. We want to run as well. It's just that we don't run to the as extreme as Adelaide so we want to get out and run also but it starts with getting stops when you have to take the ball consistently out of the net it slows you down and all of a sudden the defense can get set so the last time we played them in Perth it was about 60-61 at half time it was a high scoring game obviously we don't want to give up that many points but we have no problem getting up and down we addressed it at half time where we're giving away easy baskets and we hold them to 7 or 9 in the Mm. third quarter and that's where the game was won but we're happy to play an up-tempo style of game provided we're not giving away layups or we're not fouling and sending them to the free throw line. So if they want to score 50 points and a half, but they're contested, it's not easy layups, um, they've just had to score within their structure, we can live with that. But it's the easy ones where you've really got to have a focal point that even after if we score, they're still going to try and run on you. So if there's 60 possessions in a game, I think Trev said they had nine uh, or 40 possessions, so almost a quarter of their possessions, they were getting layups after scores or dead balls, 
which is unheard of. Normally teams have time to set up. So you do have to slow them down. But if it was as simple as clogging up the key and getting back in D-trans, they would have had a lot more losses this season. They're a very talented team and they've got some individuals who are trying to take you off the dribble. So for me, I believe it starts first and foremost with individual pride at the defensive end, locking them down one-on-one. Otherwise, they get in the key way and they're too good once they're that deep. So I think it's at the defensive end and then mm. I'll back us to get out and run and I'm happy for us to score 111 points again if, if it's going to be one of those games. And Greg, we know the depth of talent that they've got running off their bench. Uh, Ramon Moore was sixth mm. man of the year. Guys like Hodgson, uh, Deng as well, Anthony Dumick. How important is that battle of the benches? How important is it for your second unit? As always, and I've sort of alluded to it in the past, um, you know, in a, in a final series or a playoff series, your superstars, your Bryce, JPs, your Childress, Mitch Creek, they, they, that's what they get paid to do at this time of the year. They're going to be productive and you hope so. But generally, um, in, in previous years um, that we've played, um, there's been a, a sort of a spark plug or a guy that maybe commonly hasn't played, you know, has had that much of an impact all season. Um, then they've had an opportunity to really shine mm. in one or two games. And so I think from a bench um, standpoint, yeah, it's huge, especially in the, you know, for them in, in Adelaide. We saw it dang in the third game we played, it went off in the fourth quarter and you. Um, these are guys that play with a lot of confidence and once you give a guy who's young and confident um, a bit of a green light they can be extremely dangerous opponents so yeah for us we really need to nullify that and make sure they don't have impact but yeah bench bench uh, impact during the playoffs is huge it, it can actually you know determine a championship as much as I'm not mm. trying to be yep. as a bench guy trying to say that but you know you, your superstar is going to get theirs it's who can step up um, given the opportunity We'll very quickly run through some fan questions because we've got to let Damo get to other commitments. First one from Paul Emery. How many years do you think you have left in you? I've got one more year left on my contract. And, and then uh, what? And then I'll see how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I love the game. Uh, I love the game, but I'm under no illusion that it does come to an end at some stage. But as long as that desire to win is there and, and as long as I can play my role within the team is something I'm capable of doing physically, then uh, I would love to be able to continue onwards. But... Yeah, the Wildcats rarely re-sign mid-contract. I think Angus Brandt's yeah, the only player I can remember in 10 of. years. Uh, so it'll be a decision come the end of next season. Um, this one from Matthew Murphy. I understand Damo changed from number 55 to 53 out of respect for the great Cal Bruton when he got to Perth. But why was he initially 55? Yeah, there's some uh, some fella on the Boomers team called Paddy Mills you may have heard of. And because he'd been to three Olympics prior to my zero, uh, he got to wear number five, which would have been my first choice. You don't wear high numbers when you play for Australia, predominantly at the World Championships and Olympic Games. I know Mitch Creek wears a high number yeah. with the current Boomer squad. But of those two tournaments in particular, usually it's numbers four through to about 16. Okay, so this and was you wearing 15? Yeah, and the Olympics, number yeah. five is my favourite number. That was taken by Paddy, so I went with, uh, 15 seeing the next best choice why did you initially have 55 rather than just the 5 or did you just love the 5 so much you wanted to have 2 of them <laughs> yeah no well basically that was it because <laughs> okay. when I was in uh, when I was in Sydney uh, Graham Dan was wearing number 5 so okay. I thought no, I'll just go with 2 of them yeah, of and course. then when I wanted the same number twice when as I nice. joined <laughs> I think I played one game in 55 yeah I'm I sure you still, don't I still have a jersey? jersey I do yeah. oh and wow it, this is like the Michael Jordan number 12 yeah, game just, just that one, one game, game. Yeah. yeah so it's sitting at home somewhere 
yeah. sold it on Gumtree. But it was get a free stitch in time. You'd be able to go wrong. Uh, yeah, and then I had a call from Nick Marvin, our former GM, <laughs> saying, oh, "Do you mind swapping numbers in case we retire Cal Brutus?" Okay. And I was like, "Oh, that's not a problem at all. Yeah. I think they should retire it." Uh, in case you're listening, Giorgio. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I had no problem, and three was my second favorite number. So. There you go. Fantastic. Um, I'll ask you this one, Greg. This is from Ryan. Is Bryce coming back for another season? Mate, I, I would, I, I don't know. Um, I would be, but I wouldn't be surprised if he if he doesn't, because I mean, last year once he won the grand final MVP, I was basically saying, and I put it out there, I said if he does come back, his agent should be fired because he should be in the NBA, NBA, mm. and I still believe that. Um, we watch NBA games every single day, and I look at Bryce sitting next to me. I'm like, I don't understand how he's not in there, um, but. I mean, you know, the NBL is getting stronger and stronger. The culture is fantastic. Um, English speaking, all those sort of um, little things that mean a lot to a guy that, you know, has played in Turkey and was around when the airport bombings were around and really appreciates it, plus yeah. the fans, plus the world-class organisation and the chance to be successful every single year and compete for a championship. You hope you hope so. So, um, look, we know, we, I mean, we absolutely love and, and adore and respect Bryce. Um, would have him back in a heartbeat. I could lock him up for a lifetime. When that guy asks how many years as Bryce can play, he could play 30 years. Yeah, he's <laughs> only 24, it's, I believe. It's, yeah, his it's, best yeah, years are still ahead of him. Yeah. He won't hit his prime for another three or four years, yeah. which is incredible. And it's rare that you call a teammate you're a fan of a teammate yeah. and I think Greg and I are open about the fact that we're fans yeah. of Bryce Cotton they're sometimes out on the court when he gets in the zone we just kick him the ball and then you get to watch and be a spectator on the court we've got mm-hmm. the best seats in the house so Bryce if you're listening let's put pen to paper buddy <laughs> yeah. let's Aussie do it Aussie citizen next Australian citizen yeah, Tokyo not, baby no, not <laughs> away from you though we'll wait the next one so when you're done oh, okay. I'll definitely be watching the Tokyo Olympics <laughs> from my chair <laughs> I saw he took a little bit of a dip in the ocean like I mean sort of ankle yeah Deep, so that it seems to be baby steps. That's he was super scared of going in there. Now yeah, he's that's, that's, that's always, for show. Yeah, just okay. because um, <laughs> he has been telling me though, because we talk about pre-game rituals and getting ready for yeah. games. And yeah. the other day, like we went to Melbourne and he came swimming with me and JK, and I was like. Well, first, because he ne- he told us he couldn't swim, so I was like, oh, I'm nervous here. I'm going to be on lifeguard duty. But no, he swims and now uses that as an active form of recovery. Let's so. use that term lightly. <laughs> yeah. <though. Okay>. yeah. <laughs> he was in the water. He stays afloat. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Standing. Um, and last question before we let you go, Damo. This one from Brenton. What's the worst smack talk he can remember from an opposition player? Did you get any sort of trash talk when you played Team USA? At the Olympics, was there any sort of talk there, or no? That you could you hear a little some... bit going on, but none was directed at me. Okay. I think that was like, we don't know who this guy is, so we'll be quiet. <laughs> Do you have uh, a great trash talk story just from your days around the NBL that is appropriate? No, unfortunately, not. Well, the funny one's pretty good that he likes to talk about the start of the the game. Oh yeah, so I wasn't trash talking during a game, but to try and uh, have a mindset that we're not intimidated by anyone, Mark Worthington along with the other starting guys in the starting five at the Beijing Olympics, quarterfinals, win and advance to the semis, lose and you go home. Yep. They were playing, you know, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, the best players in the world. Mm-hmm. No one expected the Boomers to win. They thought they won a lot of their games just with the mental toughness. Every other team went into it expecting to lose. So they got together and thought, what can we do to prove that we're not intimidated by these guys and so the brains trust of the Australian boomers the starting five got together and they decided at the tip ball at the start of the game instead of saying I'm guarding LeBron I've got Kobe 
lean back, make it really obvious and say, I've got number six, I've got number yeah. 10, as if yeah. we don't know who their names are. Be disrespectful. We're not intimidated by these Americans. <laughs> yep, sounds like a great idea, except Wertho was guarding Kobe Bryant, who was the best player in the world at the time. Yep. And I think he was wearing number eight, so he leant back and said, I've got number eight. But then Kobe put his hands on his knees, looked over and started laughing because Wertho was wearing Kobe Bryant shoes. <laughs> so it's hard to uh, try and intimidate or be disrespectful to a guy when you've spent $200 on a pair of his shoes. So uh, that's an example where the mental game backfired. Yeah, but, okay. uh, I've had heard a bit of trash talk in my day, but okay. because I don't say anything back, I think they just get sick of hearing, you know, talking trash to a mute, essentially. <laughs> was Kobe wearing Mark Worthington's shoes by any chance? No, no? it's weird. Okay. Yeah, the Martins yeah. hadn't come out. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Greg, trash talk story, you got one for me? Nah, mate, I'm, I'm the same with All business? Yeah, I mean... Um, I'm not sure be the fake tough guy going around. So generally, when all that sort of stuff is just a lot of yelling. But um, no, I, don't, I generally leave, leave don't. it to JP. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. No, no. He has a lot to say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't have his trash talk. I think he's just having a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Damo, we'll let you go to your other commitments. Thanks so much for stopping by. I know you've had a very busy couple of weeks. Hopefully, uh, everything's fine and dandy with the ankles. And best of luck on Saturday. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Fantastic having Damien Martin mm. on the pod. Uh, I was able to get here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got his phone, he's got a map, but generally he's hopeless. So, um, yeah, it's surprising. Yeah, we've been trying all season to get him on. This is the first time he's actually found exactly. the uh, building that we're in. Um, a couple more quick Twitter questions before we let you go, Greg. Uh, this one, a suggestion from Adam Westerhout. You and JP do the Black Panther greeting for your next handshake routine in game two. So for those people who don't see sort of the pregame, whenever yep. the starting five's announced, uh, JP comes out and you guys have a little routine going on. What's the Black Panther one and will you do it? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Black Panther is just a simple handshake into a cross of the arms across the chest. So okay. um, I love it. Uh, I've already discussed it with uh, JP and he's all for it, obviously being a massive fan of the movie. So yep. yeah, for, for those listeners that haven't peeped our sort of things. It's just uh, something we lo- we like to do. Last year, obviously, I used to do it with Casey, yep. um, just the same one every single time. But uh, this year, I wanted to be a little bit more creative, um, and so we we've had a few. So a couple of weeks ago, I had my favourite with JP. We brought out the Conor McGregor uh, introductions of swinging the arms and a couple of uh, shadow boxing. So yep. um, there's been a couple that. Um, you know, he, he's obviously got some artistic flair. Yep. Um, and I, I have the worst white boy swag. So, okay. um, sometimes so it's an odd just, couple yeah, kind of. You know, yeah. so um, <laughs> like I don't mind just a straight firm deli handshake um, as you do, but it's a lot of fun and, and actually sometimes, uh, well, it gets us straight in the game, you know. Yeah. It's, it's game time. So bit, it's of, bit of energy pre-game. <laughs> exactly. Keep an eye out for that one. And this last one from Max Power. Please ask Gurgely which Wildcat <laughs> likes drinking kombucha the most and why is it waxy? Is it waxy? Is it no, waxy? it's not waxy at all. I'm more... I'm pleased and surprised that he knows my real <laughs> real name. Uh, it's not so it is Gershley. And he knows hung, what you're yeah, consuming Hungarian, as well. Yeah, so okay. kombucha. We've uh, we've actually we the first time I've ever been. Uh, well, I've been smashing it for quite some time. It's Explain sort of, what it is for the people who don't know. It's like a sparkling tea okay. in a way. So okay. it's. Um, uh, no, I'm trying to think what it fermented tea. Sorry, it is fermented and it's sparkling. Supposedly removes the toxins out of your body while drinking or after drinking it. So it's uh, very one of these alternative organic sort of stuff. Sure. Uh, we first got introduced to it when we were playing in Margaret River um, in the pre-season. So there was uh, Rock Kombucha who just like opened. They gave us a few you know samples as you do, um, and I had a pretty good game and I drank it pre-game. So. Okay. 
like, and I'm very superstitious. So yep. I was like, oh, I'm drinking this after every <laughs> pre-game, uh, for every pre-game for the remaining uh, season. Uh, but then I was like, it's actually quite hard to purchase on the road because it's not really a, a drink you can just buy at a servo. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but no, so Waxy... Damo would actually be up there. Uh, he loves it just because his wife uh, drinks it all the time. So I reckon he's the largest consumer, followed by myself. And then Waxy, he is more of a consumer of the cold drip coffee, obviously because yep. of his uh, brand, mm-hmm. Two Brews. So uh, a little shout out to him. So he loves uh, the cold drip coffee. But uh, Max Power, I'm, I'm very... Uh, surprised that you actually know you're researching that but uh, no it's not waxy he's seemed as the I mean, he's jacked and the, and the biggest human being we've mm-hmm. got, barring Gus, but, uh, yeah, it's not him. Okay. All right. We'll keep, we'll keep tabs on that as the season goes on. Uh, crystal ball time. I'm going to hit you with a yeah, stat I have? for mine. Uh, last week, you had Bryce going for 30-plus in uh, one of the games yeah. this series, so we'll see if that takes place. Yep. I'm hitting you with a stat here. When Jesse Wagstaff, who's just about the most low-profile four-time yes. NBL champion going around. When he scores 14 or more this season, you guys are eight wins from eight games. Wow, okay. <laughs> so my crystal ball is if he gets to that mark, you guys are going to get the win in game one in yep. Adelaide. So I suggest you get him the ball, preferably at the top of the uh, three-point <laughs> arc where he just shot, loves to pop one from. And uh, we'll see if that happens. Do you have a crystal ball for well, me? I wanted to put the, the onus on the team and say we're going to win the series in two. So uh, okay. and that obviously next week we'll go, but... Um, yeah, can't go back to game three. I mean, obviously, if it happens, it happens. But, yeah, huge motivation for this game. One to steal one on the road and come back to finish off and turn from a home crowd will be nice. Fantastic. We'll let you you will uh, let you get to it. Greg Hire, <laughs> thanks Thank so you. much for your time and best of luck Saturday. Appreciate it, mate. And to uh, all our listeners, stay tuned to Perth Now in the West. We'll catch you next time. The Dribble Podcast is brought to you by Perth Now, your home of sporting action from home and abroad.